0: Welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I'm doing pretty fantastic. We are here at the end of another finale, and it's just really, really exciting to get to be here and discuss this with you. Oh, yeah. I will say this, though, and this serves as kind of like a reminder for maybe if anybody didn't see it in the feed, the last three episodes that we have put out, bonuses included, we've worked with guests. And every time we have a guest on, like I, I do um, a write-up to like introduce them. And I will sit here before we record for a good 10 minutes just practicing that. I was sitting here and I felt like I was missing something because I didn't have to have a prepared intro. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just sitting here wondering if I was missing something the entire time.
1: <laughs> you know what? We have. We've had... Well, we mentioned in the last pod, we had four recordings last week, Mm -hmm. and yeah, our show had a guest, bonus episode with a guest, Rob and Jameson, Tara, bonus on us, we recorded with Tara. I don't know when that one's coming out with for her pod, so at least at this point, be on the lookout for that if you're listening to Tara's pod, and if you're not, you definitely should. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to transition. One thing Tara didn't do on our pod, but I think we're going to get it, is our spoiler sound and we put it out there where <laughs> what if there should be 10 episodes and almost every guest we've had has done their own rendition of the spoiler sound. And we'd love to at least during what if replace our spoiler bumper with our listeners, Uh rendition of the spoiler sound. So if you, would like to participate? Go ahead and record yourself. It can even be on your on your cell phone. That's perfectly fine. Email it in at MCU, Need to Know at Gmail dot com, and we will get it ready to, you know, keep us separated from pre spoiler and spoiler thoughts.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, there's ten episodes. We know at least ten people listen. This is gonna be like, do it. Come on, it'll be fun.
1: Look, if we get enough of them, we can go beyond. I
0: feel. <laughs> Hey, so what apparently if. apparently, What If is getting a season two, so there's potential for more. Nice. Well, you know, speaking of that engagement, uh, you know, every week at the end of the show, we always talk about leaving a rating and review. Uh, we wanted to take some time to highlight a review we just got recently, and so I'm going to read it here. This one comes in from Sierra DL, and it says, Amazing Voices and Opinions. So my boyfriend and I have been watching the Marvel movies recently and it's so fun to listen to this podcast as we go throughout the movies. I can't wait to listen to the episodes about the MCU shows. I've been skipping those because spoilers. I love this podcast because it feels like I'm listening to my friends talk about Marvel and I just don't feel so alone when I have it on. This is also one of the only podcasts I listen to because I normally can't get into them. So again, Sierra, thank you so much for that super kind review and also... To to play into what we were just talking about, reinforcing the important need for the spoiler zone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Sierra. Thank you for the kind review.
0: Well, you know, like I said, we are here at the finale of Loki. If you downloaded this episode, you know that we're going to be talking about Loki Season 1, Episode 6, entitled, For All Time, Always. And let's just go ahead and get into it. If you've been listening, you know that we always have our pre-spoiler thoughts, uh, followed by the spoiler sound, where we'll get into the spoiler zone. So before we get there, Jude, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts?
1: My pre-spoiler thoughts on this episode, uh, I'm going to say this might be my favorite or the best finale of the three Disney Plus shows. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, it was done really well. Um, That's
0: really exciting to hear because I didn't know which way you were going to go. So I am genuinely excited to to hear this episode play out.
1: Yeah, it just it just was, and and you know they they ended this show well, you know. And and again, it's not that they didn't end Falcon and the Winter Soldier well or WandaVision well, but we talked about it. Um, just the feeling of having to finish your final fight set piece, wrap mm-hmm. up these loose ends. And it just felt weird. You, you know, it, it felt like watching those that I hit pause and walked away for a week and came back and hit play.
0: Yeah. Whereas
1: these, this here actually felt like you would think with the TV show of like, oh, there was a natural end to episode five. And then, you know, we get the natural episode six uh, and, it, and it just, it flowed really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Your spoiler thoughts. What do you think? Pre-spoiler thoughts, I should say.
0: Yeah, I want to be careful because I know I mentioned that there was something in WandaVision that was a saga-defining moment, and I may or may not have put my foot in my mouth with that one. But (laughs) because I am me, I'm about to do it again. This episode felt like the MCU babe Ruthing their shot with where they're going to go. If we're going to get another Avengers Endgame where we have that incredibly cathartic moment of the portal scene, everything in that last half of Avengers Endgame, we will be able to trace it all the way back to the feeling of this insurmountable mountain that we got a glimpse Mm -hmm. of here in this Loki finale. Mm -hmm. So I am genuinely excited with where we go. Um, I do think that... You brought up some things that I want to touch on when we get into the spoiler zone about the comparisons of the previous Disney Plus shows and this one in terms of completing their story. I'll have more to say in the spoiler zone, but I, I do feel, I guess just to echo what you said, I think this is the strongest finale that we've gotten out mm-hmm. of the three shows so far.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I need I need to add as well. You said Babe Ruth their shot. Um, I guess now, you know, I mean, it's still early in his career, but it's soon going to be Shohei Otani, his shot. Mm -hmm. I I realize you don't keep up with baseball, but I had to throw that out because he's being compared to Babe Ruth (laughs) right now. Well, I mean, look, he he started his DH in this All-Star game just the other day (laughs) and pitched. And he's arguably the hottest baseball player right now on the same team was the best baseball player in the world right now in Mike Trout. So I have to throw that out
0: there. I'm going to be completely honest. A few weeks ago, we discovered I couldn't name two basketball teams. And when you said that name, my head was just like a in de- Rolodex, just cycling through. Wait, who was that in the Loki show? I had no idea that was baseball. <laughs> well, and, and
1: I was going to say, friend Daniel might be rolling his eyes because he's a Red Sox fan. So
0: <laughs> listen, I keep friend Daniel's eyes limber. He's always rolling his eyes at things that I have to say. <laughs> And with that being said, I think that's a perfect time to jump into the spoiler zone. Yes, let's do that. (laughs) So like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, it will be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So, of course, we're going to be breaking this down into the most important topics. And the first one that we have up for this episode is simply he who remains you know i texted you whenever i started to figure these out that like there's no way that we could start this episode without just tackling the conqueror in the room Mm -hmm. so this section is going to entail with everything we learned about he who remains in his place in this story so is there anywhere you'd like to begin
1: i'm gonna begin here i was my notes actually said kang instead of he who remains Um, (laughs) that might I, I feel like it might not be accurate, 100% accurate, uh-huh. um, just, you know, because it's, you know, because it's Marvel and the MCU. But uh, yeah, so my notes say King all the way through it. I, I thought, first off, I think I even mentioned in one episode where I don't think they were would be able to introduce a character mm-hmm. um, yeah. this late in the game, but they did, and I thought they did it really well. I think having the fact that it's a variant. They were wide open to do whatever they wanted with him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I like the way they portrayed him and that kind of silly, goofy, at least the way I took it, but they're not the MCU, you know, oh, what's the director's name for Ant-Man the Wasp? Peyton, Peyton Reed. Reed. Yeah, yeah, Peyton Reed. <laughs> yeah, like he's not, though, kind of cornered in um, mm-hmm. performance-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not cornered in just because it's a variant. And, and I think that's that's really brilliant. I like that they did that.
0: Mm-hmm. It 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 makes me appreciate, because we had questions about like, are, are they cheating a little bit with catching our Loki up to speed with all the growth he had in the movies by showing him at the beginning of episode one? It was training us for this moment where we get to meet the variant of Kang or he who must be named, he who must be named man. Harry Potter, <laughs> well, we
1: podcast where I- later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Add it to the list of all the podcasts we need to create. <laughs> Uh well, but, but you can see what I'm getting at. Like it's, they were training us from the beginning and it made me appreciate that a lot more. Mm-hmm. And and to speak a little bit more, I, I was right there in the camp with you. I think whenever you mentioned that you couldn't introduce somebody this late in the game, I was completely wrong. I mean, I, I wrote verbatim, I can't believe they introduced Kang, question mark, but it's not enough that they did it. It was the way they did it. Like 10 mm-hmm. minutes in this episode yeah. and he's just sitting there. And it's like, okay, like I, I was, I think in my head, I just was going, no way. They, I can't believe this is how we're getting introduced to this character. And finally, just to, to go on a little bit more, what you're saying, you mentioned him kind of being goofy, kind of being aloof a bit mm-hmm. to me, the thing that I took away from his performance and this is a little contradictory, but I think it fits. It's like, there's this sub subdued gravitas to him. Like mm-hmm. he is a larger than life figure but he's kind of bored of it. And I think that also is a strong echo of things we were feeling at the beginning episodes with the TVA. They had this huge power, but it was bureaucratic. It was just kind of matter of fact. And so I like that consistent drum beat from the creation to the creator.
1: Yes. Yes. So I, you say that you get bored with it. I think that's the other reason why it works so well is Loki had that line of like, you'd give up all this power and, well, Loki had that growth. You could still see where he didn't. You know, he's wanted this power. He's had this ambition to rule, and he's and he's faced with somebody who's got to rule, and, and he doesn't quite understand someone wanting to give that up. Um, although it would be interesting if it was the other classic Loki variant. You know, he would understand. <laughs> you know that that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's cool because it's it's. It kind of gives you a sense of how long Kang's been doing that. It also gives you a sense of the way they did that character, our Loki's ultimate development through this show.
0: So you mentioned something about why Kang worked for you. That's very similar to something that I was writing in my notes too, is I think what makes it work for me is that we spent an entire season witnessing this incredible power of a demigod. And instead of finding a mastermind, we found someone who was weary. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such a fascinating direction to take such a huge power. And again, like I said, it echoes the flippancy of things we saw in the earlier episode. But what I didn't write in my notes, but you're making me appreciate now, is how it was an echo of Loki as well. And it helps reinforce the second thing I wrote after that, which is power alone cannot be the answer. Like whatever is going to be the solution. Again, I, I keep talking about this Babe Ruth shot of where we end up with um surmounting this mountain it can't be just power alone because we saw how uh, he who remains kang whoever is bored of it so i'm very curious to see where they go with that
1: Mm -hmm. you know the the whole series i kept talking about this wizard of oz feel you know like the Mm -hmm. timekeepers aren't there this man behind the curtains and we kind of get that but i actually in my notes put this feels like the santa claus Uh 1st (laughs) um and i mentioned the wizard of oz but this feels like the santa claus because he's he's looking for a replacement that was the whole tim allen bit right like i'm looking for this replacement uh so yeah i liked you know um yeah it's it's and that's the other thing is to think about is like this this time lord uh, that's more dr who-ish time (laughs) you know time god or, or whatever but but he is he's he's they, they they were shocked. He was like, you're flesh and blood, you know, and, and it makes sense. Like, he wants to, you know, it's the whole, everything goes back to Nolan. He can't want to, you know, he can't <laughs> possibly want to do this forever. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Always to Nolan.
1: Speaking of Nolan, I watched Tenet last night. Oh, yeah? No. Quick thoughts? Tuesday night. Oh, I can't wait to watch it again. Like, I thoroughly nice. enjoyed it, and I feel like after a couple of more watches, like, to really dive in. It's probably mm-hmm. one of my top Nolan films,
0: but oh wow!
1: Yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and just it's appropriate, you know, Nolan likes to mess with time, so
0: <laughs> <laughs> very much so. But getting back to the episode, I, I, I want to you know speak about what you're saying about finding the replacement. Something that I found very noteworthy is. So much of this season has been putting a punctuation point on this idea that throughout every reality, the thing that unites Loki's is their ability to survive. They mm-hmm. continue, they persist, they don't give up. I think what Kang finds so fitting for them to be his replacements is, you know I mentioned it last week that's gotta be a boost to your ego that you were such a nuisance to the timeline that there is a place specifically for all your variants. Right. And I think, you know, I, I think there is some truth to the nuisance, but I think that's where Kang may have picked up on this ability of the Lokis. And then it just became about finding the right two, which mm-hmm. was what, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, he lays out front in front of Loki and Sylvie. So, I don't know. I, I just appreciate that connection, whether it's a stretch or not. Uh, It just felt fitting as a justification of why he chose them to.
1: No, that's that's an excellent way. I God, I didn't think about that. That's an excellent way to think mm. of it, right? Loki survive, and he's getting all these Lokis here because they'll know. He,
0: he, yeah, I mean, he keeps mentioning that he's afraid of himself. Like, he has a lot of experience of fighting multiple versions of himself, and so I think that's the fondness that he finds in the Lokis.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it's interesting because some of them fought themselves. We saw that. Uh, but then some of them found a way to get along. Um, and ultimately, like you said, we know they're going to survive. Mm-hmm. That's what Lokis do. Uh, and he has that line, like, like I just paved the road mm-hmm. and you walked it. Yeah. Right? So in that sense, clearly, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the mechanics of the show, and if we're going to, you know, follow this and buy into it, yeah, he's, he's searching for Lokis, and he's just pulling Lokis left and right, trying to find the right ones
0: hmm yeah
1: it is the Santa Claus
0: <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> out of all movies you picked the Santa Claus what it's it's a Christmas movie well, it's fine but you don't do Christmas okay well I do Christmas I don't do Christmas <laughs> movies there's a distinct difference and it's so funny because people don't know what we're referencing because that's a hidden MC you need to know episode that never came out oh that's right
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah I remember that now
0: that, that we prune that one. We are the TVA of this. Yes, we.
1: That episode got pruned. <laughs> you know. Okay. So what's going to happen is I'm going to get at least one or two texts when they hears that, and one of them for sure is going to be from friend Daniel. It's like what? There's an MCU episode that got they got pruned.
0: So. <laughs> and the reason he's going to believe it exists is because I'm admitting there's a movie I didn't see in it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man you know, getting back to the episode there there's one more thing i I want to talk about here in this section, and it, it's fascinating to me that there are echoes of Thanos and he who remains mm-hmm. and the thing that really kind of tipped me off on that other than you know clearly the m c u is setting up their next big bad is there's a moment where we see him get really passionate about being the one to harness life's power, and it leads into this feeling of him like I isolated the timeline I protected it I kept everybody safe and it it really feels like there's this like not jealousy like he's just upset that despite all the work he's doing they still are what did he say they came to to kill uh kill the devil what mm-hmm. was that line
1: yeah they came to kill the devil
0: I should have wrote it down
1: No, no no I got it you came to kill the devil right well guess what yeah I keep you safe right Mm-hmm. And if you think I'm evil, well, just wait till you meet my variants.
0: Yeah. And, and so the reason that reminds me of Thanos is go back to Endgame when he's having the big speech with the three, three Avengers of like, you know, I thought I could give people peace and here you are still trying to revert things back to it. So I'm just going to uh-huh. start from scratch. Like he was genuinely upset. Yeah. And I think to see that here with He Who Remains, it reflects that statement of him being tired. Because I think one of the things that I felt is that it it feels so arbitrary that this moment where he's giving the choice to Loki and Sylvie is this is the moment that he would cease to know. But I think it hints at that lack of appreciation that he's feeling from the universe Mm -hmm. uh, because he's resigning. You know, what does it matter to him if his work continues, if people continue to fight against free will? And so I, I think that's a really strong echo of Thanos there.
1: Okay. You just said if people continue, continues to fight against free will.
0: Mm-hmm. Contradictory if, a bit.
1: Well, I'm just wondering if you mean, if you're calling he who remains or Kang free will in a similar way Ravona does. Or if you meant, or if you meant that they're fighting for free will. So like they, for them mm-hmm. to have it.
0: So I guess this speaks to the way that I view the timeline because it's, we continue to see there are, potentials for the timeline to branch off mm-hmm. and that's the purpose of the tva is they come in and they they force it back into one timeline right and i view the fight against free will not necessarily being a knowing thing but or or there's a select few of people who know that they're doing it clearly with loki and sylvie they've reached this point where they're fighting against it but with all the infinite possible realities i'm i I know how I'm sounding. I'm going to push through it. Of all the infinite possible realities, it's it's like Kang is realizing the the futility of it. If that makes sense, I don't know if I'm explaining the question a little bit more, but okay. i
1: am trying. No, 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 no. I'm okay. It, let me tell you back what I think I heard you say. Kang is tired. Okay. <laughs> Can, Kang is tired because it constantly pruning all the variations to this one timeline. Starts to become feel futile, futile, right? Whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and so he's fighting against people's or whatever in this timeline's free will to maintain the timeline, and he's tired. Mm-hmm. And able, like Sylvie and our Loki, is fighting against Kang to have free choice, so to speak,
0: right? Okay, yeah, that's a lot more concise at what I was getting at, so I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, because because you know, and I'll I'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to Ravona and Mobius. But the way mm-hmm. you said it, it sounded like you were naming Kang, like giving him the title of free will.
0: No, I didn't mean it that way. Okay, I I think I wish there was any, like I have no. Oh, let me try this. See if so, this makes sense. So that's sense. why I, not so,
1: being... I mean that's why I was just checking. But yeah, but I, I understand <laughs> yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. trying to
0: say hmm yeah it's like he's trying to force something that can't happen and at a certain point he just is like i'm done with it
1: yeah there's a lot of things that can relate to real life to, to that but okay i'll just leave it at that and let people listening fill in the gaps
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's telling of me the first thing that was coming to mind was trying to push magnets together <laughs> <laughs> well unless there's any more i think we can move on to the next section
1: uh yeah, let's do that. And yeah, let's do that.
0: Okay. So the next action is entitled Finding Free Will. So this is going to encompass everything with Ravona and Mobius and the B-15 subplot of them exposing Ravona's variant to the other Minutemen. Yes. So
1: starting <laughs> I, huh? I don't know. What the, you just said finding free will and For some reason, the image of the DVD Free Willy You Bought Me just came and popped in my head.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so bummed you didn't get the note because it would have been perfect. I know. And just like in case people forgot, it's let's hope Loki doesn't truck this up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, uh, in this topic, uh, starting with me this time, I wanted to circle in on this. I think it's pretty clear now that Ravona has known about being a variant for a long time and explains why she kept that pin of the high school she worked at. Mm-hmm. And the thing I wanted to follow that up with is last week, I believe with Rob, we talked about how Mobius buried himself in the work. And I don't think he's ever known, but I think he knew something wasn't right. And because of that, that's why we saw him be so dedicated to the work fast forward to this episode and we see that Ravona does know but she exclaims it can't be for nothing it just makes her character feel a little bit more tragic of her trying to just cling on to any any sense that what she was doing wasn't for nothing and i i can't say that a character who says only the person in charge deserves to have free will is sympathetic but i understand her a little bit more now and it I don't know. It was just sad to see her character.
1: Well, go playing off of something you just said. My note, Mobius returns to Ravona. Ravona needs her life to have meaning. So she continued, right? Like he's, he's like, this is fake. How can you keep doing this? And like you said, she's looking for this purpose. If it's, if you're right. And I, and I want to say you are actually, you know, I, it makes sense that uh-huh. she had the trophies. She used that specific pin because she knew she was a variant also, it makes me wonder, what did that say about the life she'd left, that she figured it out and still stuck with this, as this gave, it pur- gave her a purpose? Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious of, you know, if that's just an extra layer to that character, that's just try to add depth, or if that was a planted seed that we're going to get to see at some point.
0: hmm Yeah. It's... I think we, we've, we've touched on it a couple times. I, I think futility is among the themes that this show keeps exploring uh, throughout the entirety of the season. And I wonder if it speaks, and I'm, I'm reaching in the dark here because we obviously don't have enough text to go on this, but I wonder if it's because of the futility of realizing you are no longer part of the world you thought you were, and now you're in the TVA, that they just found purpose in going along with what was presented in front of them. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. It'll be, I mean, maybe it's something we see continued explored uh, in, in the future. Yeah.
1: I'll say this because I had the thought, but we'll leave it for next week. I'm, I'm curious if uh, season two will get the same number of episodes, six. Yeah. Because um, I feel I, like like the, there's a lot of questions that we just brought up. Again, we'll save the bulk of this for next week's pod, but I think they have a lot of opportunities there to answer those questions about the TVA.
0: Yeah. And 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 for those who may not know we always have a wrap up episode of uh the series so we'll be we'll be continuing some of those bigger questions there. You know, one more thing that I want to to add to this Ravona idea of being a little bit more relatable is again, want to be careful I I I don't want to be sympathetic for somebody who has that viewpoint of only the person in charge gets free will, but I do love that if we can draw this parallel between Mobius and Ravona in the way that they buried their insecurities, I guess in the work, that we get a moment where Ravona's like, "No, you betrayed me." Like it, it made so much sense that if she was clinging on to anything, and the thing she clinged on to was the TVA, and then found comfort in somebody else who did the same thing, to have them then turn after their crisis of faith, it's like, yeah. I totally see where Ravona's coming from now. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that moment a lot too.
1: There was a part of me, Ravona said, you know, so they have that conversation and Ravona says free will only, as you said, only one person gets free will, the one in charge. Uh, I, that's where I thought you were naming Kang or he, who must be, who remains I almost a Harry uh-huh. Potter thing. He, who remains. <laughs> um, that's where I thought you were naming him as free will. Yeah. Um, I don't, again, I've, I've tried to really stay off the philosophical road, like to talk about, think about it philosophically. Yes. But like to dive too far down the road in that line where the only one person gets free will, the one in charge, in some ways she's not a hundred percent wrong on that thought. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, when you start talking about will, like my ability to act and you think about to truly do that. Freely, unencumbered, or not being coerced, she's not a hundred percent wrong on that. Mm-hmm. And the idea of within the context of what what the show, uh, well, philosophically thinking about it and theologically thinking about it, but also even the context of the of what the MCU has given us, mm-hmm. you know. So I did I found that interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that line uh, there. Uh, there's also you know, she said eons of friendship. Um, I believe that was her, right? That wasn't Mobius.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She, I think she said you threw away yeah, eons, eons of, of friendship. friendship. Yeah. Also mm-hmm.
1: made me wonder how long has she actually been a part of the TVA? Yeah. You know, and and I, I liked it because it also, I think, added to this idea of, you know, he who remains as being tired and just thinking mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. how long she's been doing this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely up in the air, at least for me, the context of time with with which those who were in the TVA are working with. Yeah, because um, I mean, like even Loki, I think, calls it out last episode where he's like, how long has it been a week since I was just in New York? Like, this has been a very like hectic time for him. But we right. we don't know what that time is. But right now, I, I think that's a rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. Now, when she says in search of free will right before she leaves. Yeah. Um. My thought was, in in other words, Kang. But at that point, it should have been obvious we're getting a second season. Because
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: you're not entering a character arc that way. Yeah. And never seeing that character again. Like right there, mm-hmm. it should have been obvious.
0: To circle back to that moment, like, you know, to to speak to what I was feeling with that, you talked about um, the various different ways. Like uh, she's not wrong. The way I felt about that scene is, I immediately thought of. The moment where Sylvie and Loki are in the throne room, and they realize that the Timekeepers are fake, and Loki just is exasperated, and he's like, oh, "It never ends. Like, there's always something mm-hmm. on top of the next. It's just a, a continuous road of something more." And so, when I heard Ravona say, "In search of free will," it made me feel like it was a power grab for her to be in the place of mm. whoever. Well, we didn't know it. Well, we did know it, but. Basically, she's going for the throne is what yeah. I, I took that as. Yeah. So Well, you know what? It, it, it,
1: they could play it that way. Um, <laughs> hey, well, they can play it that way from a couple of different ways. Um, from just I have a very vague idea of her character, but Ravonna Renslayer, uh from the comic, I think they could easily play it that way. Um, and just from the standpoint of she's the only one we saw – through when we had that flashback of sylvie being picked up Mm -hmm. of having a promotion from being hunter to i guess whatever her job was at that point yeah Uh, so in that way if she is herself trying to i want purpose and i'm and and this is what's giving me purpose and work their way up you know to meet the timekeeper himself and and all that that tracks it could be Mm -hmm. in search of free will in search of being in charge
0: Again, I'm getting a little far ahead because we don't know. There's no context, but it feels like an echo of the tragedy of Kang, too, where she thinks this is what's going to bring her closure, Mm -hmm. but we saw what happened to Kang. He eventually gets tired of it. It makes me think back to what I wrote. Power cannot be the answer. So I'm very curious to see what they're going to do here.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? You brought up the... I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. You brought up this connection to um, Kang and Thanos, and I didn't... It, it didn't grasp it, this uh, this thought, until just now as you were saying that. Um, interestingly enough, like, Kang, I keep going back and forth. Is it he who remains or King? It's he who is Kang. He uh, who is Kang. Well, you also got the sense of he didn't do this out of seeking power, necessarily. <laughs> Cause, mm-hmm. You know, if we're, if we're to believe his story, he did this because... You know this is what was best for everything. So it was kind of a, a sacrifice idea, you mm-hmm. know, in a similar way, Thanos was, I'm doing this for the good of everybody. Mm-hmm. you know, um whereas if ravona to to circle it back to Ravona, if Ravona is is that's her play is a power play to take over, you know, it's two very different ideas of why you ended up there, you mm-hmm. know, where you know, he who is king is there out of what he believed to be a necessity to end war and have peace, where hers is a purpose-driven, power-driven, you know, play. And that's assuming you're right, and I and I, and I think it would be fun to explore that in terms of when he says, I'm searching for free will, that's what she's trying to search for. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's a good catch, because uh, there, there is distinct uh, motivations here between their plays, so yeah, that's a, that's a ve- very good catch. Sticking with this section, though, uh, I do want to speak a little bit about Mobius. There isn't too much to go on. Again, I, I I think he had such a complete arc for this season last episode that there really wasn't too much more that you could do with him here. Mm-hmm. So uh, all I really have to say is that I, I just hope we get more Mobius here in the future. They're, I'd be shocked if so we do Well, the thing that I feel... Kim, I'm just going to go ahead and and rip this Band-Aid off. I don't know if we've said it out right, so you can correct me if we have. We're getting a season two. Like, I don't know if we've said that in this episode, but there is is a recognition that things will continue. Right. Um, So I'm hoping in that case that, yeah, Mobius does come back. But it feels like whenever the MCU gets these big-name actors, the reason they're able to get them in is because it's a one-off thing. I'm... Hoping that's not the case here with Owen Wilson.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Only because, you know, I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see a sponsored ad because, you know, Facebook's Facebook. Uh-huh. And because it's my Facebook, it's a sponsored ad for a comic book convention. And it's about Owen Wilson showing up. And it's wow. his first one ever,
0: uh, I believe. That was totally unintentional, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That was 100% unintentional. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, somebody had to do it right since he didn't get to. <laughs> Listen, you create a void, somebody takes the place. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Owen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, So yeah. So, like, I, I just feel like, you know, that's an indicator that, yeah, he'll be around for season two. You know? I hope so. Maybe even Doctor Strange.
0: Man, that'd be wild.
1: Well, I cuz I think I think they confirmed today or yesterday afternoon that Loki's going to show up in Doctor Strange.
0: Uh-huh. So That'll be really interesting. So
1: even if it's just a cameo, it's possible. You know what? Until we see him on a jet ski, his arc is not complete. Thank you.
0: Yeah. That that's the line in the sand that we're drawing here. <laughs> but now sur- circling back to to the what I wanted to say is uh, what little I, I was able to get out of the scenes of the Mobius is there is so much righteous anger in his voice when he's speaking to Ravona. Is like, you know, my 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 standards are a little bit higher than yours. As much as I'd like to prune you, you know, I I don't want to do that. And he was just controlling all that that feeling. And I think it speaks to his character that even after justifiably, we could probably root for him pruning Ravona he's still trying to help her. And I, I like that nugget that we got out of Mobius's scenes this episode. Yeah.
1: I wonder, were they somehow connected before becoming variants?
0: I, I really want to go out on that limb and say yes. Because I thought... I thought the pin, and I, I can't remember where I picked up this theory. It, it could be from other podcasts or, or the subreddit, but I thought the pin was going to be like the moment it clicks for Mobius, where he realizes he was a teacher in a past life or something with that high school. Yeah. And I was genuinely shocked it was Ravona. I think you might be onto something that if we find out that he was there too.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I bet so because it, it had such a strong connection, you know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I'm fighting my urge because I've already I've said on this podcast a number of times that I'm not a big like shipping people kind of mm-hmm. thing, and so I'm like like I'm trying to fight that urge of like like is there is there enough in text thing to actually say that like that is their backstory and probably what we'll get to see, or am I just wishful thinking it?
0: Mm, there is I don't know if I would go in the the. The shipping category, but there is definitely a strong connection because I mean, what I was going to say is like they keep saying eons of friendship, and uh-huh. I know outside the context of the timeline and in the TVA, time is a very nebulous concept. So who knows how long they've been doing this? But I think it's also the show kind of hinting at like, oh, they've they are connected even before this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. If I I don't know. I guess. I guess that's my answer. I don't know. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Yeah. All right. They keep bringing us back. I know. That's (laughs) why we made the podcast right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, one last thing that I wanted to bring up in this section is, you know, I, I do find it a little funny. Like, I'm glad it happened because it's a great moment. But, when B fifteen lures the other Minutemen into discovering uh Ravona's variant, it it did feel a little odd that they're willing to prune an entire universe just to make a, a point for a few of them to see.
1: Yeah, see, I didn't read it that way. I, like at uh-huh. this point, I'm not sure Mobius in B fifteen prunes that prunes that universe.
0: Mm-hmm. Just to add to that caveat, like to add a caveat. I know we're moments away from the the multiverse breaking because we know what happens with Sylvia and Loki, right? But in their from their perspective, like it felt like that's what they were gambling with. But I I see your read on that as well. Yeah,
1: well, like I, I understand what you're saying with the, they're gambling with because that's clearly like the only way you find B fifteen is that's creating a branch. Mm-hmm. But at, at this point, I don't know if mobius knowing what he knows and b-15 knowing what she knows would prune that branch
0: i guess from my my perspective and i I, i'm probably getting the weeds here is what do you do with that person who has witnessed this militia type come in and start spouting about the timeline and how (laughs) you know their variants like what is their life like now (laughs)
1: well maybe it shows that's just how much they don't like ravona (laughs) that they want to ruin her life here
0: Uh um, already. (laughs) It's a never-ending cycle. Maybe that's why the original Ravona found comfort.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know what? That's why you got to be nice to people because you never know (laughs) when they're going to be variants and join the TVA and come back at some random time in your life and you're going to find out that it's all just a simulation tray.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) Right before you got to that point, I was just about to say... I'm assuming we're going to be doing this podcast for a long time. I need a book of Jude wisdoms from the MCU. (laughs) (laughs) This is why you have to be nice to people. You never know when they're going to be a variant.
1: (laughs) You never know when they're going to turn into Ravona and come back and get you. Send you to Holiath. That's it. That's it. If I have any trouble with students... I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to prune you and send you to Goliath. That's that's (laughs) what I'm going to do.
0: You should get like a mock prune stick. (laughs) 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 Like you know how some teachers will like tap on a desk to get people's attention. You just pop that out and tap on the desk. That's right. (laughs) Oh man. Well, unless we got any more to say, uh, I think we can move into the next section. All right. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) So, perfect. So this section is called the choice, and this is going to be dealing with everything with Kang laying out before Loki and Sylvie the possibility that they could either kill him and unleash a multiverse, or take over for him and rule the one sacred timeline. So we're back to you. Is there any place we'd like to start? I think this is where I want to start
1: the because there's a lot of there's a lot to this section because because this this episode was very much like episode three it was very dialogue driven um mm-hmm. in fact my note says um this episode mirrors episode three in particular the moment at the door when they're trying to figure out what to do mm-hmm. and sylvie's expecting loki's advice and he's gonna kind of watching her lead whereas they both wanted to lead when it was at that that uh door in lamentus you know, yeah. and and so I really liked how that mirrored each other, and also for me the read I got out of it, Sylvie, I think was, you know, she's like I've been working for this all my life, and give, give me a minute. The way I read that was she was struggling already with this. Okay, mm-hmm. then what? Like it, I've doing been doing this all my life, and when I what's next? Mm-hmm. You, you know what what happens next, and and I mean. I mean, her motivation is vengeance, right? Right. And we see that a lot. Like when you finally get your vengeance, you've been driven and consumed by it for so much, then you get this what's next feeling, right? Yeah. And, and you, and you're left with this emptiness. And I think immediately very early in the episode, that's what Sylvie, that's how I took it. She was wrestling with that.
0: And, and it pairs so well with last episode where, again, I mentioned that it was a punctuation point on Loki's growth as well and that we would see a shift towards Sylvie. You know, Loki has the moment last week where he's like, you know, then I can rule and then I'll finally be happy. Like, he's he understands that that's not what's going to bring him closure and it is very, I didn't pick up on it and I'm glad that you are spotlighting it here about it being the start of the struggle for Sylvie, mm-hmm. but it, it just makes it that much more heartbreaking to know that she, you know, we see by the end, she couldn't get past that driven by revenge feeling and it, to see her struggle with the beginning is hard.
1: Yeah. So what do you think of Kang here? And, and I know he hasn't been introduced yet. Miss Minute shows up, says once, wants to offer him a deal. And I was curious, like, just note-taking, you know, in order. Is that because he's afraid of what the two of them are capable of? Or is this just a trick, right? Then he appeals <laughs> to their desires. You can be together. You can rule. We'll put you back on the timeline. You can, you know, have the Infinity Gauntlet. You can kill Thanos. All of this stuff. I, I'm i a little confused. I, I'm not confused. I like could... Progression to the story, I get that, right? But then as we learn, Kang knew that they weren't gonna take that. Mm-hmm. Um so so in that sense there's one or two ways I can I can go with that. A, it's just the story, right? And we're reintroducing Miss Minutes. Um and don't think too hard about it. <laughs> or he who must be King maybe had a hope that they would stray mm-hmm. and take the deal. Like he he was looking yeah. for the replacement anyways. And if he knew mm-hmm because he pulled out the script, right? He knew what was going to happen up to a certain point. Maybe he was genuinely given him that option with the hope that they would take mm-hmm.
0: it, even knowing that he wouldn't. So, you know, I- I'm right there with you because that was one of the things I wrote down too, is that it's interesting that the first test that Loki and Sylvie have is that Miss Minutes tempts them with everything they've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. And they make it past that test. But it doesn't make sense because... Miss Minutes is essentially an extension of Kang, and if he knows everything and knows that they would get to him, what's the purpose of tempting them? The answer that I have, whether it's a, is suffice or not, is he has that line when he is straight up talking to Loki and Sylvie, and he says, you know, oh, you know you can't just skip to the end. You have to go through it all for this moment, mm-hmm. for a quest here at the end. Right. So I think... Almost in the same way that Doctor Strange wasn't entirely sure they were right in the right universe, whenever he tells Tony, if I tell you, it won't happen, Mm -hmm. this was Kang's final proving ground for this being the Loki and Sylvie that he needed to offer them the Mm -hmm. position of the Sacred Timeline Keeper. Yeah.
1: That's a good way to think of it. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to think of it. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean... that quan- that's a quandary, a, a question that, that gets wrestled with a lot. Uh, this whole, I think I mentioned it in episode one, this whole idea of foreknowledge. You know, what is this, uh, you get this whole, what's the balance between some someone like Kang, a being like Kang or whatever, uh, that has all this knowledge, but yet, you know, up until that point, Loki thought of himself as having free will. And, you know, and, and you get that, the, the big thing that that they wrestled with in episode one and came back, right this predestination and and free will and and I, and I mentioned earlier, yeah the, the only the one in charge, so to speak, is of my podcast and you can't see the air quotes that I just did. Um, but they're there, so just imagine <laughs> you know uh-huh. um, you know is that tension of they know everything. And, but the, but the idea is, you know, like, you know what they're going to do, but you're hopeful in giving them a choice and that they're Mm going to choose something different. Um, and so, and so that's, that's kind of the way I went with it. You know, like he was hopeful that they, that they would make that choice. Um, but I think your reads much better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well i mean if it it's if it it's it, it fit's it fits better story wise and and you know and story circle wise mm-hmm. and, and stuff um i mm-hmm. think i think mine might be a little bit more philosophically or theologically bent than story wise if, if that uh-huh. makes
0: sense no that makes sense yeah it's just it's hard because you can get a little too meta with this because think back to the bonus episode we did with Rob and Jameson. Mm -hmm. Jameson pointed out so wonderfully that at the end of the day, these are written by someone, you know, there is a predetermined need to get there. So we're trying to exist in the space of quote unquote, what would really happen versus what really happened in the writer's room. So it's like you can get in these infinite loops of, of rabbit holes. Mm -hmm.
1: No. And I'm glad you brought that back up. I feel you. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that back up.
0: Uh huh. You know, I talked about the uh, episode last week as the one that broke me and helped me start to really zone in. Jameson might have been the first domino push that helped me get to getting out of the (laughs) weeds.
1: I'll make make sure he knows that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, sticking in this section of the choice, uh, another thing that I wanted to circle in on was this interaction between Loki and Kang, where Loki straight up asks him, then what are you so afraid of? And it builds into that moment where it's just like a silent contemplation and Kang just goes, me. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about it so many times throughout the entirety of these Disney Plus series. You know, there's nothing scarier than seeing what scares the person you're afraid of. And getting this insight of Kang being very concerned about the idea of his other less than pleasant variants is, it's humbling. And I think they've done such a great lead up to this idea of the multiverse with the way that we've seen multiple Lokis and they've played around and educated us that it lands so wonderfully, at least for me, that he who remains is afraid of other versions of himself.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think Loki is in a unique position to have that conversation because he mm-hmm. has encountered multiple versions of himself. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what helped make... I mean, Loki says, like, they, Loki and Sylvie have this conversation. He's like, you believe him. He's like, look, he's a liar and so am I. -hmm. And I, and, and and so he's like, I, I know a liar when I see one and he's not lying kind of idea. But also that response of, I'm those other variants of myself and I'm afraid of them. Loki, I mean, you saw and we talked about the look on Loki's face when President Loki came in and betrayed boastful Loki mm-hmm. and then President Loki's army betray- betrayed President Loki and and just the look on their face and that realization of like, man, am I really like this? And mm-hmm. so him being able to see and what he could be, right? The potential in classic Loki, I'm going to throw it out there, the potential of alligator Loki as well. Um, <laughs> you know, like, like, I mean, he's alligator Loki is pretty chill, right? Um mm-hmm.
0: You know, just bit a of hand off, but yeah,
1: chill. Hey, I'm gonna sit here in my tub of water, doing what I need to do. And sometimes that means biting off a hand. Um, <laughs> just just saying. Uh but no, like he's more Jude <laughs> wisdoms. <laughs> but yeah, he gets to he gets to see that. So so in that way, I really like that they pair that conversation together because it's believable. Like, man, he's mm-hmm. I saw my variants and that that was terrible.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, part of his leverage against Sylvie and Loki with this idea of multiple versions of him, he's, he's resigned. He doesn't care if they kill him because some other version of him will end up back right where he is and things get back to normal or, you know, they carry on his work. So he's not, he's not worried about that, but he does warn them. If you kill me, there are, there are far worse versions of me to have to deal with. And there's no justification for it because, I, I again, his his philosophy of there can only be one timeline is just plain wrong. But, you know, I, I hinted in the pre-spoiler section that this is the MCU Babe ruth their shot. When I'm imagining, and I'm metagaming a lot here, I'm imagining at some point we're going to get a securing of the free will and staving off a multiverse war. And this is this is that seed that I was talking about that we can, we can trace back of making it that much more rewarding when we finally do. Mm-hmm. Because they have set up this idea of it's almost the futility of like what choice they have here, there's always going to be a worse Kang. It just, it makes the potential for what's to come that much more exciting.
1: Yeah. It, another thing that I really like that we... Did here calling the section the choice. Um, yeah. There's okay. So I'm gonna kind of split some ideas. I have some thoughts that go with this, and I'm gonna leave for stray thoughts because I made a promise to myself to not get too bogged down into the mechanics. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Of the show, right, and just enjoy it. But he says, Kang says, we crossed. We just crossed the threshold, right? Yeah. And you know, he says, I don't know what's gonna happen. I haven't known for the past six, seven, eight, nine, ten seconds. Which, Mm -hmm. within the mechanics and rules of the show, Loki and Sylvie, when they have this choice, are truly exercising free will. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if Kang was, you know, he who, we're not going to use his name, but remains, Uh um, knew everything, but then ran out of that knowledge, then yeah, like, he has no idea what they're going to do. And it's truly a choice. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that they found a way the, the writer showrunner, found a way to, well, we've mentioned that. Um, I don't remember if it was on pod or off pod when we were talking with Rob and Jameson. And we mentioned that back in, uh, episode one, this whole idea. Well, no, it was on pod. Cause you just brought it up. What Jameson said to, to an extent, we know it's predetermined because it's written, like right, in a metal, right. Level. But they did it. They, they found a really clever way to take that element out you know, because because whatever Loki or Sylvie doesn't matter who kills Kang. If you haven't removed that foreknowledge from Kang, it doesn't feel as weighty. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like even the person who knows everything doesn't know in this moment what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, and I I really like that they were able to 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 do that and set that up.
0: Mm-hmm. And playing off that. I think what makes it work so well is because he doesn't know and they made such a big deal of, Oh, we've crossed the threshold and they did such incredible work of like zooming in on him, watching the fear in his face. And then it changes to giddiness. If they didn't do such a great job of establishing, you know, I mentioned the the boredom with all that power and all that knowledge and the, the weariness of having all of that. I don't think this moment works as well as it does because he is genuinely giddy and excited, especially once Sylvia and Loki start fighting, because he doesn't know. Yeah, and and you know, imagine if I had access to all knowledge of all time, and that was just at my fingertips. I would become numb to it too, and so this moment where it breaks for him is just so wonderfully done.
1: Yeah, I I my note was King had a sense of relief. Yeah, like, like you can get this sense of relief and he picked up that object and tested it, dropped it like you're right. You said giddy, but, it, you know, um, yeah, it, it was really man. They did a lot with this with this character in just one episode.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, we already had the section where we talked about he who remains. I don't know if we said it enough. Jonathan Majors is amazing in this role. He mm-hmm. I mean he essentially shoulders the entire episode because so much of it is him in conversation. Yeah. And you're you're just to echo what you're saying, they're doing so much in this episode. Have
1: you seen oh, what is the show that he's in?
0: Lovecraft country. Yeah, have you seen that? No, but it's immediately skyrocketed to my that, probably won't watch that. Nah, I would say that
1: that was a dumb <laughs> question on my part.
0: But there's never there's, <laughs> you never know. Like there's there's a and, chance. And, and for, for just a bit of context, this isn't a diss on Jonathan Majors. The Probably Won't Watch list says more about me than the quality of the show. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: <laughs> well, and, and just one, I, I haven't seen it. My wife hasn't seen it, but my wife read the book. Um, I, I think oh. she read that over spring break just recently. Um, you mm-hmm. know, And the book is – I've learned that reading books and buying books are two separate hobbies.
0: Um, and I, I'm definitely in the buying books. Yeah. One.
1: And I'm not as good of a reader as I used to be. Uh, and that book is sitting there and I'm, and I'm gonna keep eyeing it of like, I was going to actually read some of it yesterday and I chose to be responsible and I started reading my textbook for next year, but <laughs> yeah, but I need to start reading more and that's, that's like right there sitting on the shelf. And so she's read it. And so that's was curious.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll get to it eventually
1: along with clone wars and, Bad Batch and The Simpsons, Simpsons. Listen, Orphan Black.
0: Listen, there's a lot fighting for my attention. It's hard. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, it, it feels like we're about to start talking about the confrontation between Sylvie and Loki in this choice section. So I do want to say this before we move into that. You know, I, I talked about earlier how there's this feeling that I'm picking up on from Kang about being fed up with people not appreciating his work. Mm-hmm. There, there's a moment where Kang has an outburst against Sylvie and he straight up calls her a hypocrite. Oh, yeah. One, he, he's like, you know, you're a hypocrite, grow up. And, and like, he just lobbies insults at her. It's ironic that he tells her to grow up when he's the reason she couldn't peacefully. Mm. Like all of this yeah. is is happening because she he took away her ability to live a normal life. So to have that thrown back in her face... One, I can imagine what that feels like for her. And two, it's an insight into his worldview of like, I don't even think he appreciates the level of what he's doing to these innocent universes. Right.
1: But no, it goes it goes back to your, your Thanos comparison. It's you're mm-hmm. not appreciating what I did in staving all this multiverse mm-hmm. multiversal war. Right. Know? So yeah, so it, it's but I mean you're right, like he clearly doesn't have any empathy for, for what he's done. Yeah, so that you're right, you're 100% right on that.
0: Yeah. And and to circle back, there's one more moment I forgot to bring up earlier is we see there's a moment where Kang is serving them coffee or tea or something and he's being incredibly cordial. But in that hospitality, he brings one of the cups to Loki and he's like Loki, and then he brings another one to Sylvie and he goes Loki, and he seems to emphasize it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to he thinks he's doing the right thing, but that disregard for the individuality of these two distinct characters is Mm -hmm. very telling about who Kang
1: is. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, help me out. Is this after they cross the threshold?
0: The moment I talked about was before the threshold. That's why I was circling back to it. The okay. hypocrite, I believe, is after the threshold. No,
1: that's what I'm talking about, the hypocrite. Because hypocrite. Yes. that's that's the other I'm, thing I'm is I have a note that says how freeing that must be for King to let someone else decide his fate rather than deciding uh-huh. uh, deciding the fate of others. But that's also maybe part of his reaction. He's so used to people making the decisions he has paved the way for them. And now that he doesn't know what they're going to do, you know, his expectations are you. you should do this. And so he's like, no, yeah. I'm not gonna. And and he doesn't know how to handle that.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like arguing with a toddler.
1: Well, and yeah, not well, not just <laughs> <laughs> not just toddler stray, not just toddlers. <laughs> Feels a little pointed. Not towards you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> not towards you. <laughs> just saying oh man all the teacher listeners are nodding their head <laughs> listen I
0: I'll let you steer that course I, I want to dive into it but obviously that's your fate more than mine
1: <laughs> look I still tell my juniors oh. the story of like one year I had two juniors in my class get in a fight over a chair over a desk and I'm like wow. I'm like come on man y'all are juniors it's like Literally two nights ago, my kids who were, you know, younger than they are now, so they're really young. It's like they fought fought over a chair at dinner. Like, that's my chair. Mm -hmm. What are y'all doing? Y'all are 16 and 17. It still happens.
0: (laughs) I'm far removed from school at this point. I have no recollection of a chair ever being fight worthy in any of the schools that I attended. (laughs) I'm just
1: saying it still happens. And you know what? I'm sure, you know, I say that. But but at the same time, I'm sure that's that's the one realization I have. I'm sure I was no different as a student.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, well. Getting back to the episode, uh, I, you know, I talked about it. It feels like one of the last things we have to talk about here is the confrontation between Loki and Sylvie. And the first thing I wrote down is, this has to be the worst breakup of all time, right?
1: Nothing else comes to mind. <laughs>
0: It'd be interesting to track through all media how many devastating breakups there have been like this. Well,
1: and we also, because of the nature of the TVA, they could have been together five minutes and they could have been together a hundred years. We have no idea.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, I, it's, I think the thing I, I came away from this confrontation is that It's so heartbreaking that we see Loki grow from where he did in the movies and then go beyond that by understanding, knowing why he did what he did and why it was wrong and is still betrayed by someone he truly and selfishly cared about. And it's... I don't know. It was just really, really hard to watch this final scene.
1: Mm -hmm. You know what? This was also, I think, the best fight scene too. Choreography-wise. Because... Because the choreography and this fight in this, it it had uh, a purpose. And and not just like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, we have to have a fight scene because it's the finale. But even the moves and the way they fought with each other and the things they did all told the story of the two of them. Because Mm -hmm. neither one, like, they were both, at least my watch of it, you know, and I'm not a sword fighter. But that felt very defensive from both ends. Yeah, you know, they they didn't really feel like either one of them was really trying to get at each other.
0: It's like that moment in Civil War when Natasha and Clint are fighting and they're like, hey, we're still friends, right? Yeah. Well, it depends on how hard you hit me. Like, that's the same level of emotions that are wrapped up in this. And I'm so glad you brought up the fight because, like, that's what I wrote down, too. I enjoy this fight scene a lot more than any of the other ones, and it's because there are emotional stakes attached to it. Yeah. And I think it is important to note what you said, that there's a purpose, and they're telling a story through the fight, and I think paired that with the emotion, and it just makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what it honestly reminded me of, and I hope that this doesn't defeat the purpose of it? It reminded me of the fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin a lot in the prequels. How? because it's that wrapped up of the emotional stakes between okay. them and and like for as much as i don't like the prequels i did like that fight a lot and i just i was i don't know i was just recalling that fight when i was watching this one as yeah. well well you know what and as much as we've been what would say dunking the, on
1: star wars as you say what would save the prequels for you is finishing the clone wars but okay oh
0: my god I'm just saying
1: it it makes it makes those it fills out the move what's missing in the movies
0: it makes them better we've gone on so many tangents but I'm gonna say this real quick this is a slight Game of Thrones spoilers but it's season one so everybody's seen it at this point I had a friend who I was like dude you should really watch Game of Thrones this is so up your alley and he told me, he's like, nah, unless there's dragons in it, I don't want to see it. And since this was season one and they weren't part of the promotional material, I was torn between like spoiling it for him or not spoiling it for him. But I totally understand what you mean <laughs> about like, it's, you would love this and you're just not doing it. <laughs> so for all the people who want me to watch Star Wars, I understand.
1: Yeah. Well, and I will go back to the fight real quick. Something that Loki okay. did <laughs> right there at the last minute. The the very last thing Loki puts himself between him and Kang, right? Mm-hmm. And if I remember right, he wasn't armed. No, and 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 it just you saw we saw it in Civil War, we saw it in Winter Soldier, we see it in Return of the Jedi. This whole getting away from and and that's I think the distinction between Loki and Sylvie and what. The growth that we've seen of Loki, and and it's Loki, right? That's who we expected to follow. the The majority of the growth should come from him, but this ability to get away from this redemptive r- redemption through violence, instead of this redemptive violence, they was able to lay down his sword and put himself. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, put himself between the person who pruned him in the beginning or one, you know, well, I mean, we now know and kind of talked about why that road was paved, but in the episode one, mm-hmm. he didn't know that, you know, yeah. and he come, came around to the point of like, I'm going to put myself between you and he who remains, uh, which was, it was mm-hmm. such a powerful moment.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you're speaking to the, the volumes that speaks of Loki. It speaks to Sylvie as well, because she is restrained in that moment when it's Loki. Like, she's coming down with all her force yeah. because it's Kang. And as soon as Loki appears, she stops it right at his neck. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was just like, whoa. Like, it it hit me hard.
1: Yeah. Well, in Loki Here Shows Empathy, it was such a wonderful moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and coming into that moment, there was a very effective Zack Snyder slow-mo. Um, <laughs> hey, credit where credit's due. Slow mo can be very effective, and it was right there. Yeah, invented by Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah, there was no slow mo before then. So, um, but yeah, BZ <laughs> before before Zack and after Zack. <laughs> um, and then, of course, they have the kiss.
0: Yeah, and i I'm I'm completely fine with it at this point how do you feel about it? Cause I know we both had issues in it with it a few episodes ago.
1: You know, at this point I just kind of came to terms with like, if it's a, if it's, I'm just using my own head of, of they came from different universes ish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, cause it just, again, going off of what Rob Logan said when he was on our show and some other things of just having to let go of the mechanics of how that didn't make sense to me. You know, yeah. um, and truly the mechanics of like, how are you getting all these different Lokis from the same timeline? You, you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like it just, it like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're holding one, it, it, anyways, not, don't want to go down the road. Yeah. Uh, but the, but, but the big, the big thing <laughs> I promised myself, I wouldn't get bogged down on that. But the big thing I got out of it was, was the spin. Like it was almost like it was an apology. The kiss itself was like an apology um. Yeah. Because she spins him around, and that's the point where he send where where she sends Loki off. You mm-hmm. know, and and so like it it's that spin is almost like out of dramatic effect, but at the same time, it's it wasn't. It was strategic to like get you out of the yeah. way.
0: It's a literal twist. Yeah. And I I appreciate the show so much for it because I I like the way you described it as like loki showing empathy because what does he say i don't care about a throne i care that you're okay yeah and it's just like this moment where you think they're finally on the same page we know loki is capable of changing we're now seeing sylvie capable of changing literal twist no here's your heartbreak yeah and so it's just done so wonderfully well Mm
1: -hmm. and yeah i put loki is heartbroken and it was sad to see loki heartbroken (laughs) (laughs) it just was i felt for him uh-huh yeah
0: yeah I do want to I feel like we're tiptoeing into the next section, but I do want to circle back to something leading up to the kiss where there's this moment where Sylvie just says, why aren't we seeing this the same way? And I wanted to highlight this because we went through so much work to prove the point that people can change. And then the biggest moment of the season hinges on people being reinforced that maybe they couldn't after all. Mm-hmm. We know it's not true. And we know that they can, but in the face of futility, they still revert back to those impulses. There is... Like, I'm frustrated because I I know they're capable of it, but this goes back in line with what I was saying about a shot call from the MCU. I think that this is part of that experience because as massive as the scale is, if we are going to surmount this mountain, it has to feel impossible to make it that much more rewarding when we do. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I'm left with the question, can the MCU do that? Well, this is this is what the next, you know, phase is going to be about, right? And I, again, genuinely excited to see that all play out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it, if we think through the show as well, Sylvie didn't get the opportunities of growth the way Loki did. Uh-huh. You know, uh, Sif, right? And having to yeah. go through that and, you know, be, well- Sylvie didn't get to watch her story with Mobius going through the timeline, you know, and on the on the film mm-hmm. reel. Sylvie didn't get the little time loop torture thing, uh, mm-hmm. and so so there was so much, and so I found it interesting that at the end, that expectation they were able to set up that Sylvie was going to have some sort of growth, yeah, that that really they didn't lay the groundwork for.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's like because you talk about. Sylvie didn't get to watch her story. Sylvie doesn't have a story, right. Like she didn't, she didn't get that chance. So yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Like like the her Man. her, you know her foundation. Well, let's put it this way: like her foundation of who she is was always revenge-driven, taking down the TVA. Whereas mm-hmm. Loki, while he did, you know who he is, I betray people, looking for power. He had, even if this Loki didn't experience it, he got to see it. Yeah, he got an opportunity to see through Lady Sif the um, the pain he caused, and how much Thor, Odin, Frigga did care about him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then a Mobius.
0: Yeah, you know I, I I do want to to just state like I don't like I totally understand Sylvie like being driven to this this point of revenge, and I think the thing that I wrote down is. What's what makes this so hard is that this is all stacked against Sylvie, not only in the ways that you just described there with not having the story, not having those reinforced moments of realizing uh, there was more to the path that she was on, but it's no option that was given to her feels like the right move, whether she Mm -hmm. kills Kang and gets that hollow closure or she takes over with Loki and continues to enforce this lack of free will there is no road that I think is the right one. It's just what, which road is the harder one. And I think that the tragedy of it is we see the hardest road chosen. Chosen. Yeah.
1: Well, the other thing I find fascinating, or not fascinating, it's just tragic. Uh, you brought it up, yeah. some fan theory that you saw on Reddit as to why, and I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, why Sylvie was pruned, but mm-hmm. if- her nexus event was idolizing the Valkyrie and not going to be self-interested. Like that was taken from her and she became in that way, self-interested all the way to the end.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's an inverse of our two characters. Yeah. You know, I I think we both multiple times have come back to this tragedy word. And I think that that's a great summation of what this is because man, was this a hard episode. Yeah. Well, Unless we have anything more to talk about in this choice section, uh, I think we can move into the next one.
1: Well, I will say this one last thing. Trey. Go for it. You can be happy now that there's multiple timelines, multiple universes, actually. Mm -hmm. Which means there is a universe out there where Sam Wilson didn't take on a truck.
0: (laughs) Man, that was... I watched us walk all the way down there. (laughs) I knew it was coming. <laughs> You're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> and John Walker's still Captain America, so.
0: <laughs> That's not what I, don't put that. I want to say this. There's been multiple occasions where I have been Funko Pop hunting, and I have seen countless John Walker Funko Pops, and I cannot bring myself to pull the trigger on them. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. You done? Yeah. Okay. Let's move (laughs) into the next section. (laughs) So we're going to move into the next section, which is called, where do we go from here? And this is going to entail this entire last act from the moment that Sylvie pushes Loki through the portal, killing Kang. And we see the effects that Loki discovers as he goes through the TVA. So starting with me again, I just I have to emphasize, because this was the first thing that I, I thought of whenever I, I had my initial reactions. Seeing the entirety of this final act play out, and we get that big moment where Loki looks up and sees the statue of Kang, I have not felt that pit in my stomach since the moment that Thanos snapped in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And it, it, of course, like I'm talking about the moment where Loki sees the statue, but it starts from the moment we see Sylvie kill Kang, all the way through there. And it was just like, that's powerful. Uh I, you know, I talked about how after seeing Avengers in game, I didn't know if I would ever get a moment as close to watching cap lift the hammer as I did. And then far from home came out and I saw the Mysterio projection thing. And I was like, wow, it's crazy that they were able to get that close to that feeling for me. I didn't know if we'd ever get a point where something could be that heavy of Thanos snapping but they did it again and I'm just continually, continuously impressed by the MCU.
1: Yeah, listen, my expectation was he was going to come back to the TVA in disarray and mm-hmm. I don't know where Loki is right now.
0: Neither you do I.
1: I. I really don't. I will say that that moment where you go and you have Kang's um, statue, it reminded me of the ending of the Planet of the Apes. Now, yeah. and, and I'm thinking of the original Planet of the Apes. I have actually have not seen any yeah. of the most recent ones. Um. <sighs>
0: They're really good. They're really yeah. solid.
1: Continue. So, it's Clone Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear they are, and I and I know I should see them, uh, but I'm thinking about that end where you get the Statue of Liberty. You know, uh, I, it's okay to spoil Planet of the Apes from the 70s, right? I would say okay. so. That moment has been spoofed
0: <laughs> so many times. So,
1: so yeah, like it reminded me of that, which I I really really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, like I, but it also left me with where. But not when, but where is he? Like yeah. like yeah. so, okay, again, let's buy into the world and he she hasn't killed Kang yet when she pushed him through with the the portal door.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, it wasn't the same temp pad that she's using from the TVA. It's what Kang would use, and that already started to show the sacred timeline splintering. So we can't be sure that he actually got shoved into the same universe.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I just to interrupt, I had a question that I, I was going to ask later, but I think it fits in perfectly here. So I'm going to go ahead and ask it. We see a moment after Sylvie kills Kang, where Mobius and B-15 are looking at the monitor as the timeline splits. And they're like, okay, I guess there's no going back from here. And then we cut to Loki he has his scene and it, it ends with him getting to Mobius and B-15 and we learn they don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And this is now the universe where Kang is a lot more front and center. Yeah. Are we to read that as two different sets of Mobius and B-15 or like, because I'm right there with you. My, my question is like, where is Loki? And I think if we can get maybe an answer of that, that might help clarify. If things.
1: if this if, if Christopher Nolan made this, it's definitely two different sets. <laughs> <laughs> going in the same direction from the opposite side. No, like I, I don't know. Yeah. M- my first watch until they didn't recognize them, this was the same ones. But now I'm not sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, because I, I think that's by design. They want you to feel that way. But now I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it'll be interesting to see if we have two sets of of them at play, especially going into the next season. Mm-hmm. I do want to highlight this as well and this was something that was brought up in the discord by aeroplane that i really really enjoyed he had this this really long write-up that was awesome so if you're in the discord you should check it out but the summation of it was him detailing how there are echoes of this and avengers in game and specifically uh what i liked about it was you know we see where sylvie gets her revenge and immediately after killing him you know Kang said see you soon and it's just kind of like this very harrowing send-off you know it's supposed to be this 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 closure moment but Sylvie like the music's quiet it's just kind of an empty room and she backs up and she kind of just falls to the ground it feels like an echo of what Thor went through when he beheaded Thanos and it's like yes you did the thing you beat the bad guy but you can't you can't reverse the consequences. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's just an interesting parallel uh between this and Avengers Endgame because again, this feels so much like setting up the next big bad. And I like that there are echoes between the
1: two. I'm gonna have to ask this question in the Discord, but I'm gonna ask you this as well. Are we also, or is this is this thought also saying that in that moment Sylvie realized what she did and and maybe says she shouldn't have done it?
0: I don't know if it's she shouldn't have. I don't know if she comes to that realization that she shouldn't have done it. But I do think there's definitely a feeling of why am I not happy? Because if this is the thing you've been working to, to fall to the ground like that and just that, that it's, I guess, because it's that, that empty space mm-hmm. and the lack of music that just makes me really feel like Sylvie mm-hmm. is unsure. Yeah. But what about you? How did you read it?
1: I don't know. I really, mm-hmm. I think, I think honestly, my focus was was more on Loki and the TVA, yeah. and so yeah, I'm not sure how I thought of what what I thought of Sylvie afterwards.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess because I was already on that feeling of revenge being corrosive from last episode, I just felt a little bit more keyed into that yeah. final scene with Sylvie. Yeah, like that. That's what. That feeling of like, why am I not happy after doing... And, and again, we talked about it earlier. It's that echo of Loki from last mm-hmm. episode, and then I'll finally yeah. be happy.
1: Well, you know what? And, and it might be it, it might be that. It might be just what you're saying, how the revenge is corrosive. Um, and maybe the realization is not that I shouldn't have done it from the multiversal bore standpoint, but maybe it's this realization of because I wasn't able to trust... What did what did I have to give up to achieve this in terms
0: of Loki? Yeah, I think that's a really good call, especially given how much trust is a reoccurring theme among the series. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you talked about how you were more focused on Loki in this. Um, you know, one small thing I have to add is that Again, the pit of my stomach feeling, Loki says everything without saying anything in the scene where he's just kind of staring off. And it reminded me a lot of the end of Infinity War where Steve kind of falls to the ground and just goes, oh God, like that realization of like, we lost. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Like that, that I think I, that I definitely picked up on.
0: Yeah. So what were your feelings on the, on the Loki side of this final act?
1: You know, I, I thought it was interesting just again, how heartbroken he was and- Mm -hmm. You know, like, like, cause he finally, you know, learns his lesson, so to speak, right? Changes, becomes better, does the right thing. And in doing that, you know, he loses something mm-hmm. that he wants. And, and, and that's gotta be really hard for him. It was my thought of, I'm finally mm-hmm. got to a place where I'm doing the right thing. I know why I did the things I did. I know I'm not doing that anymore, but yet I lose, right? Like I, I'm, I'm, right. And and that's just, yeah. It was just tragic. This was a really tragic episode. <laughs> and you keep coming back to that word.
0: If we had a word cloud of this episode, tragic is definitely the biggest yeah. one.
1: I was to say second biggest is Clone Wars, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. No, but yeah, you're right. If a oh, word cloud, oh. definitely, I think tragic, you know, mm-hmm. um,
0: would be right there. It- we know we're getting a season two at this point, and I like the way you framed it—that like Loki, lesson learned, did the thing he was supposed to do and still failed. I think that's just such a natural progression of where we go from here with this character—is learning that despite it not working out like he would have hoped, he still did the right thing. So he gets to, to hopefully learn to just continue doing that, even if it doesn't play out like you'd like. If that makes no, that sense. makes sense. But, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this section, uh, which leaves us with our stray thoughts. So, Jude, do you have any stray thoughts of this episode?
1: Uh, yeah, the stray thoughts. Um, see, I love the, I'm just going to say the Cap and Peggy song playing with all the sound bites. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the vision quote was great uh, coming out of WandaVision. Um, that whole sequence of visually getting from there to the mm-hmm. title- to where the manor was, the castle, the Citadel, I think is what they were calling it. Yes. Um, that reminded me of 2001 Space Odyssey, uh, which I really, yeah. really enjoyed that movie. So that was really cool. Um, I think they visually, they're beyond time and they visually represented it really well. Uh, so mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, when Kang was, oh, uh, let me do this. It's, it's kind of out of order, not sequential. When Kang was quick, I love the explanation of why he was able to move so fast. Um, there's a fan theory floating out there uh, that I that I love, so I hope this is true. Um, that Kang was eating an apple, and they have this whole, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, meaning Doctor Strange. <laughs> um, you know, when they first got in, there was a sh- shattered statue. I'm curious of what the, stat- the shattered statue was. There's only one. Yeah. Um, you know, as you said, sometimes the curtains are blue, sometimes they're not. That was very intentional. Uh, so I'm curious mm-hmm. of what that, what that means. Uh, TVA, is it a necessary lie? I don't know. It's interesting way to look at it. Uh, now, I'm going to go ahead and jump into the weeds and get bogged down on the mechanics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he knows all and sees all, how does his knowledge run out? Shouldn't he have known that his knowledge was going to run out? Like it, it felt like well, surprise. Was... And it, it also just felt well well I already mentioned it needed to happen because Loki and Sylvie needed to be able to make the choice, right? It did feel very Deus ex machina for the story. It was just like like yeah. oh, we're just gonna have it run out, you know, and, and so again getting bogged down in the mechanics of it. Um you know, you know, so like and I and I get that, uh, but that did take a little bit out of it for me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's like he realizes we just crossed the threshold. It's like again, wouldn't he have already have yep. known that or expected it? And it and it didn't come across mm-hmm. that way to me. It came across as like you know, um I don't know. Uh they they kind of dealt with the multiverse and and again, time loops. I wish they would just get away from stupid time loops. Um But they but <laughs> they kind of hinted at like there's a multiverse that are all on they're all time loops no, I just, they got to get away from the time loops. Um, cause they kind of hinted at that, you know, and each, each, each universe has its its own time loop. Uh, not a fan of that. Um, so yeah. So those, uh, Oh, I also liked how the visually the, when it started splintering away, it kind of looked like a brain and all those synapses and stuff firing. Yeah. Um, and one last thing I'm going to shout out to TJ real quick. When, Kang was explaining how the multiverses worked, right? Talking about the being stacked on top of each other and all of that. Um, the physics actually wasn't that far off as far as I understand. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like my, as, as I understand, you know, again, my very, very basic knowledge and I have to have TJ back um, of how, you know, string theory works and all, and all of that stuff. Um, you know, the quantum mechanics. Um, it's clearly, it's a show, but the way he was explaining it being stacked on top of each other and, and those types of things, the the physics in this, I don't think was actually that far off. Mm-hmm. So TJ probably, probably appreciated that more than he did the, the rocket in the truck. <laughs> 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 so those, those are my straight thoughts.
0: Feels like an invitation to get TJ back. I have to. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, I know we've talked about it, so.
0: Uh-huh. Well, for me, one, this one just got added to it. I can't believe we almost made it this episode without talking about that opening sequence where we got all the lines from different movies in the MCU uh-huh. and, and the TV yeah. shows. So that was really good. Great way to set up. Things are changing. Um, the other one I had was Miss Minute scared the heck out of me whenever <laughs> really? they entered okay. in the Citadel. Yeah. And they're walking, and she's just like, "Hey, y'all!" And it was just like, "Oh my god!" Like <laughs> it, it, scared me for real. <laughs> but uh, and then I, 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 really didn't have too many straight thoughts. The last one I have is Kang is gross. Like he wiped his nose and then touched the apple he was eating, <laughs> and it was just like that. Kind of
1: threw me off. A bit. I didn't even notice that. Um, ne- yeah. Like he next really... time I watch, that's probably the only thing I'll see. Uh huh.
0: And like, I get. I get like just brushing against your nose, but he, he, I don't know. He spent a long time and then he just immediately (laughs) touched his apple. (laughs) So I could not talk about that. But yeah, that, uh, that's going to do it for the stray thoughts. You know, normally we do predictions, but given that this is the finale, there's not really a lot for us to predict. So uh, I I think we alluded to it too. We're going to have a wrap up episode next week. Uh, so we'll have more to discuss about the future of Loki. There. Yes. But I think that's going to do it. So if you have any thoughts or opinions on this episode, or if you'd like to comment on anything we mentioned, you can reach us at MCU need to know at Twitter and Instagram, or if you'd like to join our discord, there's a link to it in the show notes. So wonderful community of people who are just as excited about the MCU as we are. And we'd love to have you.
1: And when you get to Discord, make sure you go to the role assign, click on the i emoji, so you can have access to all the spoiler channels, to these wonderful conversations. Uh, and go ahead and make sure you follow us on whatever podcatcher you're using. Please get, leave us a review and some feedback. Uh, who knows? Uh, next one we'll get to read online, um, live on the pod again, just like we did here, uh, live recorded. Anyways, <laughs> and the best thing you can do for us is share with a friend.
0: We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of The Avengers Theme. You can find more of his work in a SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all. you know it's so funny to me i i love that we're here at this end and uh-huh. we can reveal now that throughout the entirety of this episode we had of a, a friend listening in on this
1: yes uh so a coworker ken uh asked you know and he was curious about the process and wanted to sit in so this episode ken thank you for joining us and and I hope you got out of it what you were looking for.
0: <laughs> oh well, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to just listen. I'm always curious about, you know, processes behind things, movies, um, podcasts mm-hmm. even. And just listening to you guys, all I can say is while I was listening to you, there were parts where I would get distracted and I was like, Oh, I have to rewind this, but I couldn't. <laughs> so <laughs> But it's, it's just so cool listening to the dynamic, the sharing. It's, it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you so much. No, thank you. You know, I find it so funny because... I think before we even decided that we were going to do this, a few weeks ago, I opened up one of the banters, the banter section of the podcast by saying, I wonder who the first person is that listens to it. And now we know definitively with this episode, it was you. Yes. It's you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's an honor to listen to the first episode, uh, the first one to hear the podcast. (laughs) Oh, man. Again, many many thanks to both of you. And uh, again, congrats for one year and to the many more years of MCU Need to Know.
1: Thanks, Thank you so
0: much, Ken. That's awesome. (laughs) So, like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue, and once we get on the other side of it, it's going to be fair game for the MCU up until this finale. So, if... No, let me start that over. So, on the other side of this cue, it's going to be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU, including this finale. So... Uh, you'll hear the cue and we'll be on the other side. So we'll see you on the other side. That was weird. That was awkward. That was weird. Why <laughs> am I having a hard time with the spoilers though? No. I put too much pressure on it on the beginning. <laughs> You're like, so we'll see you on the other side. Uh,
1: so we'll see you on the other side.
0: <laughs> I know. Listen, it's all my variants coming through saying it at one moment in time.
1: <sighs>
0: okay. <I'm> Let us <laughs> start great. over. Okay. Okay. <laughs> See, that's my character growth. I can pretend with nothing is real now. All
1: right.
0: Who's doing this uh, to you, Trey? Stop. Okay. Let's start from here.